The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey Rockheads, quit trying to twist off that moose head and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 320 with guest John Bristow, recorded live Wednesday, February 13th, 2008. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now, offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNR TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Data Dynamics. Makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now... The man who's seriously considering sending his engineers to Aruba with pay, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Thank you, everybody. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is uh, Carl Franklin, Richard Campbell, making your Thursday a better day. Definitely. One minute at a time. Uh, you just got back from Cairo. I did indeed, and I'm nicely jet-lagged. Thanks very much. Yeah. I had fun while you were gone. You know what? What happens is we uh, we stack the shows up ahead of time so that of course. Uh, when Richard's gone, we can actually still publish, or when I'm gone, or whatever. So it was like two weeks, week and a half. So yeah, it was easy for you. Yeah, it was easy for me. I just I was dilettante for a week and a half. That's nice. Which was awesome because I never get to do that. Yeah, no, and and it's fun. I was busy the whole time, so of course it doesn't mean anything to me. Suddenly I'm back and we're back to recording again. But it's going to be a crazy year. We have a lot of conferences this year. Oh, it's ridiculous, I know. And all that means is lots of great live content for the listeners. So right. stay with us this year. It's going to be awesome. Uh, let's get right into Better Know Framework. All right, sir, what do you got for me? And uh, I'm going to revisit System I.O., Input output system IO because I love that namespace. Awesome. But this is a, a sub namespace of that called system.io.pipes. Now, guess what that's for? Named pipes. Yeah, named pipes. This is another one of those socket things you love. Well, yeah, but it's not really sockets. It's it's a little more direct than that. But um, basically, we haven't ever. I don't think we've ever talked about named pipes on this show, and it's such a a fundamental OS thing. That uh, maybe we should. Yeah, fundamental networking thing. Fundamental networking thing in the operating system. So um, name pipes is uh, just another means of communication between applications over the network uh, that, it, it, you know, it reminds me of sort of like network DDE or mail slots or any of those kinds of things. There's not a whole lot of control, but it's but they're, they're really good in certain situations. And when you need it, you need it. Um, there was a, I believe there was a named pipes provider in, in .NET remoting. Do you recall that? I don't recall. I don't I, think I ever used it. The only place I ever used named pipes was with SQL Server. Hmm. But even then, pretty much we switched over to TCP IP for everything. Right. So it's kind of like a legacy thing. Maybe if, you'd, if you're not sure that you need it or not, you probably don't. But I just, it's just nice to know that it's there. If if you ever have to do any name pipes programming, 
system.io.pipes. So, Richard, let's hear some email. All right, here we go. This is about show 316. Hi, guys. I got myself a Zoom for Christmas last year, and I'm addicted to podcasts. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're sorry. I've enjoyed every show <laughs> since then, plus several I downloaded from earlier in the year. I just finished your latest with Scott Guthrie and Matthew Manella on my way home from work today. I was laughing out loud as Matthew described his intern experience because it reminded me of mine with EDS back in the 80s. Oh, wow. At the time, General Motors had just bought EDS, so I was with the General Motors engineers too, and there was a lot of us in the program that year. They didn't refer to us as interns, though. We were co-ops. As one EDSer explained to me, that's because co-op is the sound crap makes when you fling it up against the wall. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> Dude, too early in the morning for that. Nice. Visual. Co-op. <laughs> oh, Just wanted to share. Keep up the great work, and I look forward to seeing you guys at Dev Connections in Orlando. Well, we'll be there for sure. Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. Uh, appreciate the little visual there. That was a very interesting show because we normally, you know, one guest, one hour, but we had these two pieces to put together, so we created a show out of it. Hey, you know, uh, TechEd's going to be in Orlando this year, too, and uh, it's going to be one week for dev and one week for IT, and the uh, the week of IT, you know what's happening right around the corner? Well, not really around the corner, but, you know, New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is the uh, New Orleans Jazz Festival. Oh, yeah. And if you Google that and take a look at the lineup of talent that, that is playing on this stage over, I don't know how many days, three or four days, phenomenal. Like, you can't miss it. Uh, it's just going to be amazing. So I think that's where I might head after Tech Ed Dev. It's a great idea. You're staying for the IT part, aren't I've you? I've got both weeks, but I'm going to get away for the weekend in between. Right. Yeah, you, you're going to have to take a break or else you'll go nuts. For sure. Richard, John Bristow is with us. He is a developer advisor with Microsoft Canada and is based in Calgary, Alberta. John is an experienced speaker and frequently presents at developer conferences and events. Prior to joining Microsoft, John was a member of the Microsoft Regional Director Program. Hey, I've heard of that. I heard of that, yeah. And was awarded a Microsoft MVP award for his work in the developer community on technology such as ASP, ASP.NET, and the Microsoft Web Services stack. Welcome, John. Well, thanks for having me, Richard and Carl. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. So the last time you were on the show, I guess it was, you were on the other side of the fence. Yeah, that was many moons ago, you know, when I was uh, consulting back in the day. and uh, Before you know, the saw, implants. That's right. I, I saw the light <laughs> and uh, made, made my switch over and uh, <laughs> haven't looked back. And we also, we're, what's missing from your bio is that you're a podcaster as well. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, I've heard you guys speak so, uh, you know, beautifully about podcasting and how much you guys appreciate the term itself. Um, I'd rather not include that stuff. It's more of a hobby than anything. Now, you know, I, actually, you might be confusing us with Scott Hanselman. Ah, uh, I see. <laughs> Scott Hanselman, yes. before he started Hansel Minutes, his motto was podcasting sucks. <laughs> But it wasn't a, because know, he thought it sucked. It because he thought what he really meant to say was podcasts suck, ah. and he wanted to do and the non-suck you know, version. I, I think I gave him enough inspiration for saying that because obviously <laughs> ours sucks. So plumbers at work is a good little show. <laughs> I like your show. Yeah, it's okay. You know, it's a little show that could. Well, it's good. It was yeah. especially good when we were on it. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, all right. so what the hell you been up to lately? Well, you know, I've been pretty busy. Um, as you know, we're gearing up for launch here at Microsoft, uh, which is coming up very, very fast. And uh, basically getting out there uh, into the developer and IT pro communities and trying to help where we can. Tell and, you, Windows Server 2008, which as we're this recording is RTM, is a phenomenal operating system. It's everything that Vista should have been. Well, thank you, Richard. Coming from you, that means a lot, you know. Uh, we've been working long and hard on it, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to see, you know, what people think, and uh, we got some great technology in there, and uh, we're going to have a blast during the launch. Yeah, it'll be an adventure, no doubt about it. Yeah. Have you had, have you got your hands on the new server? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been playing around with it for a while, and, uh, you know, putting it through its paces, and uh Love the virtualization stuff, IS7, the whole nine yards. It's great. I'm considering using it as a desktop operating system. I'm considering using it on a laptop. Because <laughs> virtualizing so nice. everything, do you think that's a good idea? 
Well, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the expert on virtualization, but um, there are a few folks we have who are certainly uh, the experts in that area. And I'm sure if you were to post a question to one of the forums or send them an email, I'm sure they'd be able to give us some advice. As for me personally, big fan of virtual PC. works fine for me. Um, but uh, for those of for those folks who want to run, you know, virtual server or the stuff we have in 2008, um, that tends to work well, so as it should. And uh, we have both 32-bit and 64-bit editions. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, the server, um, it's uh, actually I think it's actually 64, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's all 64-bit now. I mean, server's definitely driving for 64-bit only. Really? The, there is a 32-bit edition, but I think the, the 64 is where you want to go. This is an interesting conversation that, John, you and I have had for a while, where it was really a realization as the business has been booming. I mean, no two ways about it, especially in Canada. I mean, I think the U.S. is doing well, too, but in Canada, it's been insane. Mm. And finding talented people has really been a battle. It sounds, And it's just like a, there's, there's more work than there is people. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things that uh, from from our perspective, which is you know Microsoft Canada and, and in particular my group, which is you know largely involved in the community, it's a trend that we're seeing across all types of different uh, you know, folks in the field, whether those are developers or IT managers or designers and architects. Um, you know, there's there's this impending or, or this in, inherent need upon the entire community to find. Uh, you know how how what's the best way to build up your skill set? How can I find those trusted resources, et cetera? And so, you and I, Rich, we're we're talking about some of the things that uh, you know might be interesting to talk about for an upcoming show. And I suggested this idea, and uh, it's something that I that I understand you guys really haven't touched on, but is so critical uh, for a lot of a lot of your audience. I know it's not a a deeply technical topic, but it's it's very very important. Well, and it's appropriate for the time. I mean, we have been. We have given lip service to the fact that there's a shortage of talent, but um, you know we haven't really had a whole show around this idea. Well, mm-hmm. and, the, and the whole thought of treating this this thing you do as a career. I mean, the funny thing about software development and, and computers in general is that it's very much a hobbyist start. That people do this for fun, and then one day realize, wow, this is my living. And yeah. there's got to be a point where you decide, I'm going to be a professional now. Yeah. Right. Slowly discovering that your career is involved in software um, is, is, I think, most of everyone's story. And now what you're seeing amongst schools and things like that, uh, there is a, there's a track. There's a career that can be involved. But, you know, along those lines, um, there's a lot of people who have made it and had success in the industry. And sharing how those people made it and, and basically what sort of path they followed and what worked for them, that's incredibly valuable information, particularly for developers who are, who are coming into this industry. And so I guess that sort of walks us into this whole concept of the series that your team did called Ignite Your Career. Yeah, so this was, uh, this was essentially a five-part webcast series that we conducted in September and October. Uh, it was done through Microsoft Canada, as well as with an organization we have uh, here in Canada called KIPS. And um, it was basically a webcast series where it was, it was largely for the audience uh, a, a forum where we brought in some experts uh, from around the, the local industry here to answer questions on a variety of topics. And we had an absolute avalanche of interest uh, in this webcast series. So the series uh, can be found at shrinkster.com slash UNC. Uh, that's the main homepage that we have for hmm. that series. And all the webcasts are available for, for download there. We had five different webcasts, um, all on things like being a better developer, building your skill set, finding trusted resources or folks that you can turn to or, or resources you can turn to, uh, becoming your own boss and creating a startup. And uh, we basically went out into the industry, asked a lot of people, who would you recommend we interview? And uh, we got about four or, um, or, or five folks on each panel answering questions from the audience. And uh, wow. we had a, a great turnout. And I did one of these. I was on the Trusted Resources yep, show. Yes, that's right, Rich. You know, as, <laughs> as everyone knows, you're the man on the mountaintop sitting, answering everyone's questions. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> Richard me. Richard knows all. <laughs> so the, <laughs> the webcast sure. that Richard was a part of uh, was entitled Discovering Your Trusted Resources. And the, the reason why we particularly did that session was because, um, as you know, the Internet is one of many sources for information. But 
as one gets out there into the industry and wants to be successful, uh, either from a community perspective or just information uh, or skills sharing, um, there are a lot of other things that you could take advantage of, whether they're user groups or forums or just getting involved uh, from a community perspective. And so uh, Richard, myself, and, and Vincent, um, uh, another gentleman who joined us, uh, were answering questions from the audience regarding... Yeah, Vincent Chu. Yep, that's right, from uh, Trusted Resources. And I'm pretty sure I brought this up on the show at the time, but uh, I've always think back to, Carl, your experience with Instant Messenger when you were doing classes... Where yeah. anytime someone would throw a question in the class he couldn't answer, you just whip open IM, yeah, and everybody I'm, who's anybody's on your IM list. It was pretty amazing. I mean, I had people, like, literally faint in class when they saw all the names. I mean, these are all the people that had been on the show, right? Right. So, well, it's like whack-a-mole after a while. You know, you start closing all the messenger windows, especially if you're making a presentation. Right. <laughs> so somebody had a, you know, a database question, an ADO question, uh, just pinged Bill Vaughn. He's like, hey, how you doing? I answer, ask his question, you know, and there you go. And they were just totally shocked. Hmm. But, you know, talk about ways to build trusted resources. Uh, how many times in a given day, just between the three of us, do you ping the guy you know knows the answer to your question? Just, yeah. what do you think about X? Yep. And get that feedback. I mean, that's, irrespective of the blogs and all of these other things that are sort of the common trusted resources, I think an experienced developer builds up a list of people that they know and trust, that they reach, whether it be by IM or other means. Uh, us three, actually, are quite spoiled in that way and that we're sort of plugged into the inner circle, you know, where... Uh, the average .NET Rocks listener might not be, mm -hmm. even if they did have the person's email address, they might not feel comfortable emailing them. I, I get emails from people all the time saying, hey, I don't mean to bother you, but I have a question. And, you know, most of the time I answer them. But, um, you know, it just speaks to people's apprehensiveness to want to, you know, they, they don't want to feel like they're bugging people, blah, blah, blah. And, and for that particular webcast, what we did was we, we labeled it discovering your trusted resources for a good reason because, you know, there's a lot of people coming into the industry who kind of throw up their hands and say, where do I start? I don't have 10,000 people on IM. I have three, my mom, my dad, yeah. and my, my baby sister. They have Google. Um, yeah, that's right. So where do I go? And, you know, while they have search engines available for doing searches and forums and things like that, oftentimes the answers you get online aren't as as uh, well expressed as you'd like to understand it. Um, you know, it's it's not particularly good format for conveying meaning. Uh, Especially when email. you're beginning, right? Yeah, when exactly. you're a beginner, you don't know that you've got the right question uh, mm -hmm. on a forum when you find something that hits. Yep. And so oftentimes if, you, if you're able to talk to someone face-to-face -face or uh, over the phone or, or at a community event or something like that, um, you can often find out uh, your answer very, very quickly. And so what we did during that webcast in particular was basically just provide uh, a whole bunch of things that developers who are either in the industry or getting into the industry, how to find those trusted resources, what to look for, that sort of thing. Just on a personal anecdote, um, my trusted resources back when I started playing around with .NET um, was uh, basically a, a listserv that uh, the developmentor guys had, had started up at uh, discuss.develop.com. That was my trusted resource for the first couple of years, uh, learning .NET. But nowadays, where you have you know user groups and and uh, associations and things like that, you know there's a lot more that that's available to you uh, for finding those sorts of resources. User groups. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, it's an underutilized resource. Yeah, it's a real shame too because they're such a good uh, community and they're like-minded individuals. They're they're looking for answers too, and so. A sharing of knowledge or ideas or even experiences is, is often extremely beneficial. And so one of the things that we try to encourage here in Canada is go to your user group. And if there isn't one in your community, start one. You know, this is very appropriate because I just got an email from a friend who is uh, the CIO at a hospital in New England here. And they're looking to hire a junior developer. And so most of the people that I know personally... Uh, I wouldn't fit in that, but this is the perfect thing. So I sent out his forwarded his email to the um, to the local user group guys, and they posted it. So mm -hmm. you know there are jobs that become available that you will only find, and this is a it just happened today. You'll mm -hmm. only find out about if you go to a user group. 
A lot of those user groups, people assume, have to be public in nature. That's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, a lot of companies actually form internal groups on certain technologies, and uh, those are extremely valuable as well. Do you know the perfect formula for building and managing websites? Follow me here. Zero effort plus Sitefinity CMS equals infinity in website development. That's right. Telerik challenges you to explore its innovative Sitefinity content management system and offers you a chance to win a sleek Zoom MP3 player or a Sitefinity license. These cool awards could be yours if you only answer a few easy questions about Telerik's Sitefinity CMS. All you have to do is watch five short movies and see how easy it is to build infinitely beautiful websites with zero effort. You'll learn some cool facts about Sitefinity and the effortless creation of websites. So go to www.sitefinity.com and give it a try. It's fun, it's interesting, and it can get you a free license or a free Zune. How about we skip around a couple other shows? I mean, it was fun. That was the show I was directly involved in. But uh, you started out this thing with becoming a better developer and building your skill set, which I think in some ways are are similar topics. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where were you going with this? Well, the the first one was really interesting because it it was actually a series of blog posts that had had started up around that time frame, uh, around uh, mid-December or sorry, uh, September of last year. Uh, a few of the bloggers that I follow here in Canada and down in the United States had basically taken upon themselves of publishing what they are intending to do to become a better developer. A lot of them focused on reading certain books, so they had this huge list of books that they were intending on uh, reading. But they also had a series of technologies that they wanted to experiment with. You know, we hear about all kinds of different technologies uh, that that come out or or get really really popular, and you know. Because we're so busy, uh, we don't have time to focus on them. So these blog posts basically um, were, were folks who were basically asking the question, what can I do to become a better developer? And, and some of them were looking at things like, oh, I'm going to take a look at you know, the DLR, or I'm going to take a look at uh, Ruby as a language and, and see what it can provide from, from a programming perspective. Doesn't it always start with code complete? I mean, that's when I have rookie young guys saying, how do I become a professional developer? I say, go read McConnell's books. And report back. Great book. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> start there. Yeah, yeah. I, I always find you know get get dirty. Uh, start writing programs, and even if they don't work, uh, just the the process of writing code is something that's extremely valuable. From a developer perspective, I encourage people to explore technologies like X and A because you know when I was a developer uh, first starting out, when you know budding young developer in, in university, I learned Pascal and um, I was writing uh, console applications in Turbo Pascal. And to be honest, it was kind of boring. You know, writing a simulation of an elevator to learn how to program right. uh, wasn't the most exciting thing for me to do. So nowadays, I encourage students who are looking to, to get into development, check out XNA. You know, write a simple game in .NET that targets your PC or Xbox and have some fun. Or use Robotics Studio. There's a great environment based on .NET that allows you to program robots, such as the Lego Mindstorm kit. These are great, great avenues to learn and expand your skills. Yeah, I almost wish I was a rookie developer again, just to have a chance to play with this <laughs> stuff right. more. Oh, the kids these days, they have yeah, so Yeah, they got it so easy. <laughs> well, back in our day. Hey, hang on a second. Let me ask Lawrence about this book. Lawrence, what's that C-sharp book that has the game uh, XNA stuff in it you were looking at? Is it at home? Anyway, somebody sent me a book on C-sharp, and I can't remember who wrote it or what the name of the title was, but mm. but one of the projects in there was exactly what you were talking about, building a game with XNA Studio. Mm-hmm. It's you're you're absolutely right, John. When I was when I was programming, the exciting thing for me to do was like a a terminal program or a bulletin board system or or a game that plays itself. Right? I remember writing a Pente game. Remember Pente? <laughs> The Pente is where you have the grid with the stones and you get five in a row. So I wrote a Pente game, but I made these entities and I made them play itself. And I could just sit back and watch yep. and see who won. But little things like that, I mean, there's no end. If you've got a little bit of creativity that you could, there's no end to the kind of stuff that you can think up to that would be more fun to learn. Yep. And, and from a developer perspective, I mean, that's one of many skill sets that I think you have to learn. Um, especially when looking at how the industry is becoming more complex and even the workforce is becoming more complex. So, you know, that dovetails nicely into 
another session that we, we had during that webcast series called Building Your Skill Set. And it went beyond just technical expertise to things like, do you have the right speaking skills? Um, can you manage a team? Do you know how to um, articulate yourself well in email, which is a vastly critical aspect oh, yeah. to a developer job? These you know are, the other thing that I find developers do terribly? Interview. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. just, as a guy who has to interview a lot of developers, it's painful. I have a friend who every time he goes on an interview, he's so modest. And when they ask him about stuff, even if it's stuff he can do in his sleep, he'll say, well, not really. You know, it's like, yeah. The guy who never believes he's an expert. Right. Exactly. Because he's sure there's one thing he doesn't know about it. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, there's tons of skills that one needs to learn, competencies, um, you know, and certifications only go so far. There's a lot of things that, um, you know, that, that actually play out in a developer's career uh, that, they, that he or she needs to know about. Um, and, you know, email is just a classic one, being able to express yourself and communicate with others. Because as... We all know the world of development is changing where we're going more to a global, highly distributed development model and being able to express yourself over emails is incredibly important. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah, and especially the, they, the what is it, the, the politeness or the etiquette around email. It's like, don't say anything in an email you could not say to this person to their face. Yeah, in a crowded room. Yeah, <laughs> with, a with your recorder. mom listening. That's right. Come on! <laughs> Assume it's all being recorded for posterity, right? For a possible podcast, per se. Well, at least, exactly. you know that. I think there's another thing, and I've said this a number of times to folks. I said there are things that shouldn't be in email. There are yeah. conversations that won't work in email. There are times where the correct thing to do, and I've actually been halfway through the email where I where I realize this: I need to phone this person, mm-hmm. yeah. or I need to meet with this person. Like we need to say this face to face, and we really don't want a copy of it floating around. Or even worse, instant messaging. This is the the thing now. Mm-hmm. You know, IMs little fo- on your cell phone. You know, the cell phone IMs. Yeah, little SMSs. Yeah, SMSs. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a method for communicating. Really, no. <laughs> And especially when you use like your, you are, you are, you know, that's little, right. yep. the little shorthand Ugh. stuff. You know what? Even the companies are trying to get in on that. They're they're sending you text messages uh, with "you are" as "your" now. So, hey, there well, you there's you know, there's two bytes they saved there. <laughs> when you did that building your skill set show, you had a a recruiter on the panel. Yeah, you know what? We we had a lot of interesting folks um, who who joined us, but one in particular, uh, Nick Cocodilos, who's uh, from the states. He's actually a headhunter, and really interesting story. He has a he has a blog, and he also has a website called Ask the Headhunter, and uh, you can find hmm. his blog at shrinkster.com/unh. And uh, he basically provides tips on what headhunters are looking for. Uh, so for folks who are either getting into the industry or looking to to apply for a new job, he's basically providing it from the horse's mouth. You know, here's what I'm looking for. This is what you should tell me. Uh, don't give me a, a whole long list of acronyms. I'm not going to understand them. Tell me why I should hire you. Why are you, are you passionate about this industry, etc. UNG, by the way. Oh, my apologies. Yep. The- no, UNG is actually his website. UNH is his blog. That's correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the, both of them. Yeah, so... We had a lot of interesting folks. Uh, Nick was was one of the folks we got and uh, to to offer his his insights and, and opinions. And you know, it's really interesting if you talk to folks who are involved in the hiring process. Oftentimes, they're going to give you a different perspective than what you assume uh, when when applying for for a job, as especially as a developer. Uh, they're looking for things like problem solving skills. Um, as many of, as many of your listeners know, there's uh, a great book. Uh, How would you move Mount Fuji? Uh, which is, you know, the sort of um, typical classic Microsoft interview style questions that were asked back in the day. Uh, and it's all about getting a sense of how do you think? You know, what are you, what are you thinking about when someone poses a question or a, a problem to you? These are important skills to have. Now I'm thinking about how I would move Mount Fuji. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or wire. They were also the wire, wire manhole you know, they, covers they, round. They wire manhole covers round. There you go. Right. And, yeah. How many gas stations are there in the United States? That sort of thing. Yeah, just how would you do that estimate? And I definitely find uh, every one of the interviews that I've done where I've really thought we did a constructive job, I usually ask for a chunk of code from a developer and then talk to him about his code for no other reason than you see the passion in someone Mm -hmm. the moment they're talking about their code. Mm -hmm. 
Like the, the, the lights go on and the whiteboard starts getting drawn on and that I can work with. And I know, okay, you can communicate about your stuff. As for me, I, I like talking about my architecture because it's up in the cloud, and I don't have to explain why I wrote certain lines of code because I feel embarrassed about them. But there you go, that's me. <laughs> I don't know. I think it, I had one guy who actually, the chunk of code he shipped me had a block in there that said, make this not suck. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about that. Yeah. And he left that he left that marker in there. I need to rewrite this. And I and I said it took a lot of nerve to give me a piece of code that said this. Why did well, you think that? Huh. Well, you know, Rich, there's a reason why we include the hack um, to do or and what's the third one we have in Visual Studio? There's there's a number of different uh, uh, keywords that are right. in comments and uh, that will be picked up in in your um, in your output. Uh, there's a reason why we put in those. For me, back in the day, it was called magic code, which meant you weren't allowed to touch it. If you touched it, everything would break. So, <laughs> the developer who wrote it got hit by a bus, and no one understands no it No one anymore. understands it, yep. All right, so that was – and we, we so we talked about the third show first, and then there was the first two. Sure. And then it seems like the, the, the line sort of changed gears, and I think there's a whole other line of conversation. It's one thing to be developing your own career, but – it's certainly a question I field all the time about becoming your own boss. How do I get to be an independent or you know run my own consulting shop, that sort of thing? And that, that's where you went with Ignite Your Career. First of all, you have to ask yourself, uh, do you have the personality for it? Do you have the stomach for it? Because you, you're talking about taking risk, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, me, I'm pretty, pretty low stressed out when it comes to taking risks. I've taken a lot of them and they've paid off, but not everybody is that way. Yeah, I think that's the first question you have to ask yourself, don't you think? Yeah, I guess you have to look at you know what are you willing to take on. Um, you know, certainly in the in the field of becoming an independent consultant, uh, there's a lot of business skills you have to have. You need to be able to manage your uh, your cash flow. You need to. There are legality sort of issues you need to look at uh, as far as um, running your own shop, that sort of thing. But just re- selling yourself, getting yeah, out there, exactly. and getting to work. That right. was the reason why we did that webcast uh, for that particular reason was, you know, how do I get out there? How, sh- you know, what is, what, how should you portray yourself to the community? How can I find work? Uh, how can I build up contacts, which is a, a hugely important thing, especially if you're looking at uh, doing any, any form of consulting. You have, to, you have to be able to market yourself, and uh, that's very, very important, uh, especially in the, in the area of consulting or contracting. So, yeah, during that webcast, we had a panel of experts, and they shared their experiences. And, uh, you know, it's not all, it's not all uh, green fields. I mean, there's some rough times you'll go through. But uh, based on uh, the responses we got from each one of them, uh, you know, it sounded like, you know, with, with the responsibility uh, comes a lot of insight. And so it's, it's definitely a, an organic experience to learn as you, as you grow in, in, in the, the role of being a boss, whether you're independent or whether you're you're the boss of, of a group of developers, as an example. There's one thing that we glossed over, which was the legalities and things. And mm-hmm. and I would, you know, if you're if you're a consultant and you're working on you know major projects, and what I mean by major projects is companies with a lot of money that have a lot invested in the whole consulting process. It's probably a good idea to have some liability insurance, don't you think? Well, you know, I've never gone independent. Um, I've worked for companies most of the time. I've been told by many of my friends who are independent consultants that, yes, um, it is important to have all your ducks in a row, uh, especially when you start to contract out a great deal of work. Um, And, you know, a lot of companies these days won't take you on. Uh, This is what's been shared with me. A lot of companies won't take you on if you don't have your ducks in a row, if you you can't show that you have those, those, um, those things in place. Yeah, errors and emissions and, and your CPP or your WCB and all these different things that, that a business owners got to have in place. Yep. So get a lawyer. That's yeah. what they're there for. Absolutely. Yeah, that's always been my uh, – there's two things I've said often to folks who want to be their own bosses. First off is demonstrate to me that you can excel within the company you're in. If you can't you know, make your way through that company, then how, why do you think you'll be able to make your way on your own? Because they're very much the same kind of problem. You've got to find a way to, to do better and to go further. It's It makes sense to me that you want to go out on your own when you've topped out in the company you're in, where I'm at the ceiling. I either buy this business and continue it, or I go out on my own. I, I'm always nervous of folks who say, these people are idiots, and the only way we're going to be successful is if I do it by myself. Yeah. Because generally speaking, if a company's been running for 10 years, somebody knows something. Mm. Yeah. 
You know, they've been around for a while for a reason, even if you don't necessarily agree that those reasons are important. Mm-hmm. But the other big one, and you hit on it, John, was surround yourself with experts. I need an accountant. Yep. I need a bank manager. I need a lawyer. I need an insurance guy. Yep. Or I need a trusted advisor, someone who I can talk to, bounce ideas off, whether those are business ideas, development ideas, what have you. All of them. Yep. Yeah, you need uh, you need all of those things and then some. It's one of those things. It's it's not until you've been in the industry for a while that you start to realize this. And I think one of the reasons why we did this career was, uh, sorry, this Ignite Your, your uh, Career webcast series was because at Microsoft Canada, um, we believe it's all about you, you being the developer community. And for us, uh, we wanted to share these things because ultimately – you know, we'd like to think we got your back, right? You know, we're, we're a partner in your career. We want to make you successful. And we're, we're trying to support you, not in just in terms of your skills development. So we'll talk to you about, you know, here's what you can do with .NET. Here's what you can do with Visual Studio. Isn't this great? But it's also about, you know, you know here are some trusted advisors we're going to provide you with to, to help you with your career. And so we're trying our best to help establish and forge those connections. And, uh, it's something that I think hasn't been done a great deal in our industry. It's, it's kind of unfortunate, but um, we want to continue to, to, to help, um, help our community in that regard. We're doing it on the IT Pro side as well. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's actually something that I wish I had uh, when I was first getting started in this industry way back when. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea what it would be like now, you know, if I was <laughs> trying to... to learn my way through uh you know through the technology from the top down as I did like I said before on the show in different interviews and things I I learned a lot just by hanging out with the developers in the bars after work you know and talking about programming technology sure you know the a big advantage I think that's happened today we we all got in pretty well Carl and I got in really early John I know you came a little bit later in this biz- industry but mm-hmm. for a long time uh, the technology career path was not acknowledged as a unique career path unto itself. There was always a, a, an angle of the only way you're going to move up here is to jump into management. And I think that in recent years, companies have come to appreciate the idea that sometimes it's worth allowing people to grow just in the technology path so they can keep providing those skills and not have to leave to get a promotion. Sure. That sure. said, developers sometimes make the best managers of developers. Sometimes. Sometimes. But you know you know what also, I think you touched on a good point there, Carl, which is, you know, I think there's an implied sort of historical context there, which is, you know, we all spent way too many hours away from our families or from um, our significant others, you know, trying to learn everything we could about technology. And I think what we're trying to do now is short circuit that that process. Trying to, you know, finding those trusted resources, finding the best ways to to fast track your skill set. Um, it, it it will still put you through the paces, uh, but you won't have to work as hard. You're just working smarter. Hey, I like that. I guess yeah. there's a question as to whether or not. I think our industry still is painted with this brush of its obsessive numbers of hours that take it takes to be successful. Right, right. Can we, are we actually past that now? Can we actually work a sane number of hours and still be successful? I'm not the best person to answer that question because I spent way too many you hours. You work an insane number of hours. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I hope, I, I, I hope and I pray, you know, I, I, I would like to have someone in our industry to give us a sort of inspirational speech saying we have turned the tide we have hit the apex and we're on our way down to easy street but um. well, i can't say that but i can <laughs> i can say that it's obvious that the technology has made us more and more and more productive sure and dot net in particular visual studio is the is an incredible tool and the things that i would have thought would have taken months just what eight nine years ago can i can whip off in minutes now, you know. So, well, I mean, from a career pro- perspective, it sounds like we're adding another layer of abstraction, which is like .NET, right? We're just getting more productive, yeah. um, trying to basically get the job done quicker. Uh, so, connections like this actually serve the same purpose. Of course, I'm I'm a lousy candidate for this as well. I do love what I do for a living, and I do it a lot. But that, I think, is more of a self-employment issue than it is uh, a career issue per se. 
You know, if you work when you work for yourself, you tend to incorporate your work into your life throughout. It's not a separate part. It's all one thing. Right. Of course, if you work for Microsoft, you're indoctrinated anyway. It's those implants. You have no choice. You just work all the time, right? Yes, no? that's right, Rich. Yeah, you've got it. You nailed it right on that. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what it is? I think um, many of us who are in this industry uh, have a love and a passion for what we do. I tell everyone I talk to, if they ask me, how do you like you know, working in this industry, that sort of thing, I tell them I love what I do. I, I don't consider what I do work. I consider what I do, you know, just something that is just in my DNA. And I think that I think that goes for a lot of folks, especially people who uh, really love to program. And uh, you know, you can turn that passion into something powerful, especially when you want to, you know, pay it forward or, or give it back to the community. That's why we have such a vibrant community, especially in, in Canada. I think because there are a lot of folks who are wanting to volunteer their time and, and spend time either in user groups or on online forums. That's partly the reason, um, you know, the success of the MVP program we have at Microsoft. Uh, these are, you know, people who weren't asked, who weren't told, who just basically said, you know what, I'm going to give back. And that's really why it's such a successful program. Hey, I want to invite you to the 6th Annual Microsoft Financial Services Developer Conference being held at the Marriott Marquis in New York City, March 12th and 13th. Uh, coming right up here. Now in its 6th year, the conference is an excellent opportunity for developers to gain insights into the latest and upcoming Microsoft technologies and solutions as they relate to the financial services industry. With this year's theme being a focus on high-performance computing, Attendees will be hearing from presenters across a wide spectrum of organizations, including Microsoft product managers, key partners, and industry peers. In addition, Microsoft is hosting the second annual Windows in Financial Services Developer Innovator Awards as they recognize industry-leading solutions leveraging the Microsoft development platform. In honor of National Women's History Month in March, they'll be celebrating the accomplishments of female leaders and pioneers in financial services and technology via a live panel with their 2008 Women Leaders of Wall Street. Register today by going to shrinkster.com slash VDK. As a developer advisor, you have like the opposite of the 9 to 5 job. Right? You're always on the road. And always getting in front of an audience somewhere talking about technology. It's sort of, and, it, and it sort of ebbs and flows. There's stretches there where you're in and out of Vancouver every other week. Sure, sure. And, and then, there's, then it kind of goes quiet for a couple of months and you're, you're working from home or you're working from the office in Calgary. It, it's a funny job you've got. Yeah, well, you know, I, I like to think of it as, you know, the, the folks who do my job, which um, it's, it's called a developer evangelist down in the U.S. Um, the folks that, do, that work in, in our group, which is DPE, I like to think of, you know, wherever we're sitting in front of our laptop is our home. We're kind of like that busker on the street corner who's got the <laughs> drum on his back and the cymbal between his legs. He's just working wherever he can. I know that guy. <laughs> I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, at least we don't just have get a get away monkey. from the liquor store. Yeah, we don't have a monkey with a, a cup banging on the windows or anything like that. But, um, yeah, basically, you know, we're trying our best to try and spread the, the good word, trying to tell folks, you know, isn't this wonderful what we have available to us through .NET? And, you know, check out what we can do with, with technologies like XNA or um, did you guys see what, ha you know, what was introduced in version 3.5 of the .NET framework? This is so cool. So lots of stuff like that. How many conversations have we had, and it's usually at conferences, start out like this. Dude, you got to look at this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? It's, it's, that's it. And you're, just, and you're banging away on the keyboard. Yep. That's like a classic Scott Hanselman kind of thing. Well, you know, I, was gonna, I, I wasn't going to say Scott Hanselman's definitely up there. He types <laughs> yeah, too he fast is. for me, and I can't even follow him. But, um, you know, uh, Miller is definitely up there. <laughs> <laughs> I, the first time I met Miller was at TechEd, and that Mark was at the Miller, time when... talking about? What's that? Mark Miller, for those That's who right. don't know yeah. who we're so talking So Mark about. Miller, um, you know, he, he was working on a few things at the time. I swear to God, he must have been on something. I, I don't think he was. I think he was no, just, you know, always so like passionate that. about what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. always like it's unbelievable. That. He's just one big ball of passion. Yes. <laughs> yes well, you know, he he's, the first that, he's the first and only attendee I've ever seen who had a full-size keyboard strapped to his back walking around the conference. <laughs> you know, yes. he, he, I, I was expecting him to have his desktop machine on his back as well, but it was unbelievable. 
Oh, yeah. And that whole ritual, when he gets set up to get to work, pulls out the keyboard, puts the wrist braces on. Right. Yep. Okay, let's go. Yep. And then he'll sit in the in the speaker's lounge and tappity-tappity-tap-tap-tap-tap-tappity-tap, yep. and everybody's looking at him like, hey, get a more a quiet keyboard, man. Exactly. <laughs> So for folks who are getting, I'm sorry. Am I fitness- bothering you? Am I bothering you? I'm sorry. I'm a little quiet now. So for folks who want to get into this industry, if you're at a conference, you see someone like that, grab them, ask them any question you want. I'm sure that they'll have an answer for you. Well, and and they love to be asked. Just be prepared. You're going to be answered, and it might take a while. Yep, yeah, exactly. Might want to get it's a, Mark Miller. Might want to get a tape recorder or something. Well, that's one of the reasons why we do things like Ask the Experts at conferences, uh, especially at things like TechEd. Um, so we get people from the community to come out and share their knowledge and, and uh, experiences with the community because they love to do it. And uh, folks like Miller fall into that category easily. I love the cabanas at yeah. TechEd. Remember back, yep. I think the first one was in San Diego. San Diego, best tech ed ever, man. That was a yeah, great tech with ed. with just a few chairs and a whiteboard, sort of open space, and you just start banging ideas around. Yep. Yeah, that was. I think that was the year that I think we got the the area right. I, you know, I'd been to previous tech eds, and you know, you were networking a little bit here and there. Most people were going to sessions. At that one, you looked and you said, "Wow, I think I'll spend my whole conference here because it was yeah, such yeah. a beautiful setup. They had birds, open air concept. Uh, it was it was fantastic." It was. And, uh, I know, went the into the Sequel Cabana closed. area, and the entire day disappeared. Yeah, like it was just nonstop, one thing after the next, different ideas, just and drawing and drawing and drawing on the whiteboard, and then photographing the whiteboard so we could clear it off and fill it again. <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, ask the experts, we here at .NET Rocks used to have a live stream that we would uh, um, you know put out um, different technologies so that you could listen while we were recording the show and we also used to have a um, an irc chat room so that you, people could ask questions and we're bringing that back um i don't know exactly when that should be pretty soon but um we are bringing that back so uh, you've ever been listening to this show and you've wanted to jump in with a question that either richard or i didn't think of that's the perfect uh application for this so you can just be listening along, ask a question, we'll pick it up and ask it. Well, if I seem to remember, Carl, there was a lot of abuse going on in that channel as well. Like, I, I, I consider myself one of the, I don't know if you guys watched the Muppet Show, but the two old men in the balcony, Statler and Waldorf, yeah. making the sort of one-off comments saying you suck and all that. Well, uh, you know... Been, that you, tend to happen there. Well, but that's, you know, that was you guys. I mean, Richard and I, we're paying attention to the guests, you know. We, <laughs> that's right, yeah, that's right. We don't look at that too much. Now, I think I think if we're going to do this again, we got to make sure we don't let the guest into the room. <laughs> so yeah. that we could just filter it. That's I right. remember Kim Tripp was answering us and typing an answer to a question in the chat room on totally time. unrelated topics at the same time. <laughs> she was, pull- she was case- pulling a Kim Tripp. That's, yeah. That is the, called the Kim Drip maneuver. Yeah. And never just missed the- a beat. Yeah, her mind's incredible for that sort of thing. It's like, hey, one more show that we didn't mention out of the series, which was the fifth one, uh, Creating Your Own Startup. And you got Dick Hart on that show. Yeah, that's right. Skip Identity, Open ID, all that great stuff. Dick's, the guy uh, is, have you ever seen his Open ID oh, talk? Beautiful. His Identity talk from OSCON? Unbelievably hilarious and brilliant. Who yeah. is this we're talking about? Dick Hart, he uh, he's uh, he runs a company called Skip Identity up here in Vancouver, and uh, they're working on a, a, a sort of federated model open based around OpenID and others. And um, he he did an OSCON talk on it was basically a sort of take on a talk that had been adapted from Lawrence Lessig, who is a very uh, big sort of copyright guy in the U.S. and uh, written many books. And he has this 15-minute presentation on what's called Identity 2.0. And he basically he's basically talking about how identity is moving uh, to a different model and how what impact will have on a user and why it needs to change. And so he created this uh, this little company that could and uh, it's doing very very well. And in addition to Dick, uh, we also had Mark Ralph, who's uh, uh, a director here at Microsoft Canada, as well as David Crow, uh, who is a, a former. Uh, entrepreneur in Toronto and now a member of our team, hmm. our community team at Microsoft Canada. And uh, the three of them 
were on a panel discussion. Uh, the, the topic was called creating your own startup business. And basically, you know, startups are, are something that's, um, you know, seen down in the valley quite a bit. But, you know, we're starting to see them all over the world, especially in Canada as well. Um, a lot of, you know, for lack of a better term, Web 2.0 startups. I don't like the term too much, but a lot of startups are actually, uh, you know, starting to, to uh, be seen around uh, various countries. And there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, you know, a lot of developers have great ideas, and uh, they want to take that to a business. You like that and, phrase, especially in Canada. Yeah, yes, especially. I, I was I'm just sorry. thinking, who would create I, a startup in Canada? <laughs> who would do such a thing? Exactly. <laughs> hmm. I apologize in advance, but, you know, I am, you know, I am a Canadian. I, I do love my country, so... But no, this was this was a great great webcast. It was it was a lot of fun. We answered a lot of questions. Yeah, but I haven't heard that one yet. I listened mm-hmm. to the earlier ones, but I, I guess that one fell off the radar for me. I, mm-hmm. I wish you to see where it went. Does, uh, Dick, if you search on Dick Hart's name, you're going to find that Oscon talk and get mm-hmm. a feel for you know the guy's style is incredible. He must have been very interesting on the on the panel. Yeah, and and if anyone's interested, um, we have an interview with him. I actually interviewed him for our podcast, which is called Developer Night in Canada. Yes, Rit, uh, Carl, I know it's a you know another Canadian reference, but gratuitous Canadian yeah, exactly. reference. <laughs> uh, that's that's linked off our blog at shrinkster.com slash une. Uh, e is an Edward. So uh, we we basically talked to him about you know identity and and what he's doing in that space. But uh, yeah, for that for that webcast, we had a great time and answering questions. You know. What does it take to create a startup? And, you know, are there any experiences that our panel can share with you that, you know, that might help you along the way? Rich, we were going to ask you to do the same thing, but, you know, you've, you've created too many businesses. I think, I think you know, <laughs> we couldn't have you on every show. I <laughs> oh, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about startups. That's, <laughs> I, I'm too busy doing one. That's right. But enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you, <laughs> what do you think, think of, of me? me? <laughs> <laughs> so how did the series go overall? I mean, I remember the concept of it, and you asked me mm-hmm. to be involved. I did the things and so forth. But give me the story of the fallout from this, because it's been a while now. Well, it, it was awesome. Uh, you know, we had, a lot of, we had a lot of people email us saying, you know, thanks. Um, it's, it's something that, you know, I've been hoping that, that a company like Microsoft would do for a while. And, you know, getting back to about how we want to be a partner in your career, that was our intention. We want to make sure that you're successful. And uh, along the lines, we hope we make a difference. And uh, that's that's the ultimate goal. Um, we actually had a similar sort of series uh, that was done through the IT Pro team. Uh, so I focus on developers mostly, but uh, we have another part of my team that focuses on IT professionals. They did a similar sort of series and that's linked off our blog again. Uh, we'll, we'll include the, the link in the show notes. But um, they had a great amount of, of uh, success with that series as well. And going forward, I mean, it's, it's continuing to be um, seen in, in a lot of the things that we do. So whenever we make a blog post about technology or whenever we do a podcast or anything, we always think in terms of, you know, how this, this helps support uh, the community from a skills development perspective, but how does it relate to one's career and how does it help forge connections with, with other people in the community? And that's ultimately what we're all about. Um, so our hope is that, um, you know, it, it has a, a lasting impact and that other people are going to be encouraged to either try and see if they can find their trusted resources, join a user group, start a user group, uh, get involved with online forums because the more people involved, uh, the the collective, uh, it starts to starts to grow and and becomes a a very very powerful force and uh, allows you to to basically short circuit a lot of those things that you would typically have to do on your own. Uh, what what's the schedule going to be for the for the launches coming up here? Do you have any dates yet? In Canada or in the U.S.? In Canada. In Canada, well, we've got a number of events that are coming up. Um, we've got a ten city tour. And uh, folks can read more about our, uh, our, our city tour if you go to microsoft.ca slash heroes happen here, uh, which is basically our theme for uh, the launch event. And uh, there you can go ahead and register for the events themselves. There's a number of events that we're holding. Uh, our big kickoff event is in Toronto on February 27th. And then uh, we've got another one that will be happening in Vancouver um, and then from there, we'll be visiting other cities like Edmonton, Calgary, um, Montreal, etc. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun, and uh, you can go ahead and check out that website for more information. Oh, good. 
You know, you mentioned right at the beginning of this KIPS, and uh, I think until Ignite Your Career and uh, Dev Teach, I hadn't really heard of KIPS, and now I've, I've seen them around a little bit. Maybe we better bring people up to speed of what this is. Sure. KIPS is uh, an acronym, obviously. It stands for the Canadian Information Processing Society. It's uh, essentially an organization of IT professionals, and it's something that we have up here in Canada. Um, they, they hold events, uh, and, and they have um, series and SIGs, uh, special interest groups, and uh, they also provide a designation for IT professionals, and the whole goal is to provide um, basically a lot of um, information sharing and, and contact building uh, as part of this this um, this organization. It's one of many many associations we have uh, as part of the IT Pro. Yeah, it seems very like a user group, but for IT pros, right? To a certain extent, um, their mandate and structure uh, might differ a little bit from a sort of you know I've run user groups before. They have an outward appearance of organization, but believe me, it's a chaotic process to organize one. But basically, their mission is uh, to help provide leadership in in IT and technology, and uh, they promote standards and research and certification, that sort of thing, similar to a user group. um, But uh, you know, they're they're typically a little bit uh, more formal. These sort of associations. It it seems the personality of an IT-oriented organization is different from a developer one. Yeah, <laughs> do you think it's a polite? I was just a polite way of saying it, but it's really <laughs> developers the, you know, are weird. That's what you're saying, Richard. That's what we're saying. Well, you know, developers come from that hobbyist mindset, and you just don't see hobbyists doing networking the same way. Well, it depends. I mean, it depends on who you come across. Those developers um, that are beard wearing hippie, cheese, yeah, like, two like sandwich eating, Edie of- <laughs> Brickell listening, right. tie dye well, wearing. <laughs> Why, Mr. Franklin? <laughs> Weirdos. Well, you know, Rich, I'll probably get into a bit of trouble with the IT Pro crowd and probably the developer crowd for saying this, but I consider software development art. And and as developers, yeah. we are artists because we build up these sort of universe, these fictional sort of universes where we can control anything we want. So there's really no rules. Whereas in the IT Pro world, you don't just kind of make up the rules on as you go, right? right. If you're going to create... Uh, an infrastructure with redundancy and scalability, you got to follow some certain best practices. I mean, these are people who configured the bindery in NetWare. All right? <laughs> They're damaged. They're I... damaged people. <laughs> John, I totally disagree. All right. I think that software development needs to be engineering first and art second. And I point to your average bridge. It can be beautiful without a doubt. Some of them are quite artistic, but if it falls down, it's not a bridge. Yeah, it's form and function. So let's it's got to work first. Then, you know, then you could talk about the elegance of your code. Your ah. elegant non-functional code doesn't matter. Oh yes, <laughs> don't get me wrong, it has to compile and, you know, you don't ship it as soon as it compiles. You want to make sure that of rules. That's right. <laughs> but the way I think what I'm getting at is what you you point to, which is how the code was written and how elegant it might be, that sort of thing. The challenge of being an IT guy, and I put my IT hat on fairly often, <laughs> is that when I do my job flawlessly, you cannot tell. Yeah, that's right. It just works. You know, audio editing is much the same way. Yeah, <laughs> I, I completely agree. When we do our job well and .NET rocks. You cannot tell that we did anything to the sound That's at all. That's right. It's just that. Well, you, you know, it, it totally harps to the fact of, of skill development. One of the things that developers, uh, I think, would, would actually be really, really good to, to try and do is put yourself in the shoes of an IT pro for a couple of years and learn how they go through, um, you know, the sorts of things that they go through. Uh, manage a server, whether it's at home or at work, you know, just a sort of development server. It's a good process to go to uh, because it teaches you things about permissions or policies or things of that nature. And then you can take those skills back and say, in your development space, how will this impact uh, the IT pro group? You know, you might want to have some empathy for the IT pros because they're the ones who keep your network up. All right. Who else can we talk badly about? How about DBAs? (laughs) Can we we lay down some smack on the DBAs? Yeah, I, hear, I hear a joke coming on. You know, a developer, a DBA, and an IT pro walk into a bar. <laughs> Tell, stop me if you heard this one, you know. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Look, we've, we're coming down to the last few minutes of the show. Um, you did the uh, Ignite Your Career back last fall. I know it's launch time right now, but 
career evolution doesn't stop. When are we no. going to see more? Well, we don't have a definite date planned, um, but, you know, if folks want us to do it, send me an email. My, my email is john.bristow at microsoft.com. Let me know what you want to see. Uh, we are always listening, and you can go ahead and, and send us comments through our blogs as well. Um, we've, done, we've done something equivalent to expanding the conversation. So we have a series of notes on the webcast series that we did, which is at com slash UNF. Um, but, you know, let us know and, and let your, your folks in your community know. So if you've got user group leads, for example, tell them you want to have a, a sort of group session where folks can, can share ideas about career uh, in, in front of an audience. That's, you know, something that I would find vastly important to do. Um, but let us know. Let us know when you want the next one and, uh, and tell us who you want, that sort of thing. All right. John, it's been a pleasure having a, having you on the show. It's been oh, good no, just no, to no. talk to you. The pleasure was all mine. No, no, no. The pleasure was ours. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun to talk to you, in Cheers. person or otherwise. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. You bet. And we'll see you next time. .NET rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a van by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a